Guess who's back? Back Hello again. Bocha's back. <laughs> Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Uh, what, did, what else did we want to sing? Reunited and it feels, feels so, good. so good. I was going to sing all by myself because you're you were all here. by yourself. Okay, so just to catch folks up, A, we were out in January, but that was my fault. I was like so sick that I couldn't even talk, which the kids at home were excited about because <laughs> I could not even talk. True. Um, and I had to I had to just cancel out when we were gonna record and so we had to have a best of on the fifteenth. But we back We back, watch a podcast, episodio once. Um, and we're actually in different cities four hours yes. apart. <laughs> yes, we are far apart today. Charlene, tell us why we are far apart. Because the universe is trying to keep us from making Bocha Podcast, and we are rebelling. Against the universe. Yes, because, like you said, there were a lot of circumstances that we were going to record in January. We weren't planning to take a break. A lot of things happened. Um, And then we finally got to the last of the end of days, and you couldn't talk. So there was that. And then today, I tried to drive up to see you in Santa Fe, and uh, there was snowpocalypse. Um, and you and I'm not talking about like southern New Mexico snow where two flakes fall from the sky and they cancel school. I'm talking about like I seriously was wondering if it was safe for me to be on the roads. And by the time I finally decided, no, I should probably turn around. Then like 20 minutes later, they closed the highway that I was on. So. It was a good decision to come back, but we are now being creative because we're not going to let the universe keep us from Bocha Podcast. I support this decision uh, of you staying home, but the reason that we're four hours apart, so part in our in our day job, um, I come up job? with, I, you know, someone's got to pay the bills. I know. Um, I wanted to be mantenida by my partner, our executive producer, but since we don't pay her anything, it was really difficult. <laughs> Um, So part of our day job is that I'm in Santa Fe for the legislative session. So I am here for, in this particular year, it's 30 days, so I'm here all 30 days. Um, And that means that I brought all of my chingadera for us to do the podcast. And if you were going to come up here, and we were trying to make that happen, um, the universe was, of course, uh, working against us. So it was a little bit difficult. But you know what? The technologies, yay, look. The technologies. Technologies. I feel like that should be a song. It should be. I agree. So technology has allowed us to get back together, and we are, and it feels so good, really, being reunited. I actually have missed you. Like, I was planning on giving you the biggest, longest hug of your life when I saw you. I missed you. Oh, well, maybe the universe is only trying to spare us awkwardness and not keep us from a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe. No, honestly, it's weird because I see you every single day for the most part, at least, you know, four or five days a week. And so it's been, it's been very sad. No one laughs at my jokes quite like you. <laughs> right. And since I'm up here and I'm, um, I'm not up here by myself, I'm up here with a colleague, a colleague that I don't see every day. And right. now I have to see every day. Like we're living together, um, doing work and whatnot. And so now she is forced to listen to my terrible dad jokes. And I don't know if she's laughing out of politeness, out of awkwardness. 
I'm, I'll ask her after the session is done yeah, so that way she can done. give me an honest answer <laughs> and not feel like <laughs> she has to tell me that she's laughing at me honestly, so. Yes, agreed. But what else has been new for you? Because it's been uh, since December. How did Christmas go? La familia good? It was awesome. Um, lots of familia, lots of food as usual. Santa Claus and all the things. Uh, no complaints. It was a good deal. D we had a little bit of... Go ahead. Does Special K leave anything out for Santa Claus? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you gotta leave the cookies and the milk. Mm. And carrots for the reindeer. Oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, they gotta eat, man. They gotta eat. Oh, there's no cookies anymore. I used to leave bacon out for Santa Claus, but... <laughs> no. We have we have far gone that conclusion. We know we just get the list of mom. This is what I want. So that's fine. Yeah. How I old like do you it. think Special K needs to be before you break the news that Santa Claus is all a myth? Um, we should have done a spoiler alert for this episode in case. Do you really think small children that believe in Santa Claus listen to this? I I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. If someone does, then <laughs> is that a parenting win or a parenting loss? Episodio Dose. We will talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, I, you know what? It's, it, it makes me sad to say, but I think that the age of maturity is getting to be earlier and earlier. And I mean, I won't break it to her, but there's going to be a time where she's going to hear it other places and we're going to have to decide, all right, it's the time to just kind of. She's going to hear it on her, she's going to find out on her phone, like YouTube or something. Instead of like the Peppa at school who's just like, mm -mm, my mom said, it's like YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is going to tell everything. YouTube is going to just make us parenting losers. And mom, you were lying to me the whole time? Yes. I because know. culturally we have to lie to you. Sorry. Also, there is no tooth fairy. No, oh, what else do we lie to kids about? The Easter Bunny. Oh. Also, there is no Easter Bunny. That's me with the eggs. True love. Oh, fair. shit. Can we wait until <laughs> she's 30 before we have to break that? Uh, how was your holiday? Ooh, um, I was sick. <laughs> I was sick right after Christmas. Um, I promised that... Um, so my mom had surgery, and she's doing well. Um, but I promised that I got sick from hanging out in the hospital with her. Um, cause you know, only sick people go to hospitals. So I think I got something while I was there and it made me incredibly sick that like sick, like I have not been in a long time. Like I couldn't even move my own car so that my partner can move her car out. One of my kids had to move the car so that she yeah, can take the van to work. That's how bad it was. I couldn't even get myself out of bed to move a car. Well, and then you were being super terca, like, no, I can record. And then you couldn't even say three words without having a hacking <laughs> Well, and that, that was our break. <laughs> but we're back. It's February. <gasps> we have a lot of things planned for you. Um, even my mom was missing out on on the, the podcast. She was like, there's no new episodes. Mom, I was sick. You knew this. So, Mom, we're back. Woo! Yay! 
Oh, and she also has she also has show ideas for us too. By the way, like oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I will also tell you two two updates from our. So we did in December we did Fotopics for Navidad, which was awesome yes. because we exposed ourselves, mm-hmm. if no one else, to some awesome Latinx creators, and I myself ordered several things that I am currently in love with. I also super awesome update. We did a uh, Vive. Viva Cosmetics was one of our picks. I saw on um, the founder, her Instagram or whatever, she had she posted something about that she's been working since she was very young and at a full-time job and had been running the cosmetics line and things like that. And she finally is to a point where she could quit her full-time job and just do the makeup because that's what she wants to do. So I thought that was fantastic and a super cool update. Oh wow! Damn, good for her. I know. Even though it, cool. it almost makes me want to feel like putting on some makeup, but um, that almost oh, that would be so. Mad props to all the people out there who put on makeup and do it well because that is not me. I tried. I promise. This was me in high school attempting to put on makeup. You could see around the chin the oh, difference yeah, no. in color. It was mm-hmm. terrible. So. You know, my hat's off. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at your uh, at the FaceTime right now, and you look so young and amazing. And I'm like, bags under the eyes. I've got the things going on. No, you do not. By the way, my voice is rough because there was a game, a basketball game tonight, representatives versus senators, and the representatives are Aggies, and I am a former Aggie, and I was yelling my heart out for the Aggies <laughs> to win, which they did. So mad props to the representatives. Aggie up. Aggie up. So my voice is a little rough. I apologize. But here is what is on tap for our episodio tonight. We've got, uh, because it's Valentine's Day, and this is actually dropping the day after Valentine's Day, we've got the uh, mejorandose aspect of love. (laughs) Um, And if you don't know, but you do know, but you didn't know it had a name, then you will know and you'll be in the know. Um, segment two, Latinos, um, because this is Black History Month, and, um, and, and we wanted to just be upfront and discuss the anti-blackness that happens in the Latinx community. And Arquea de Nuevo, if you haven't heard about this book that has gotten, that's just been around and gotten some play on both sides about whether or not um, it's a good piece of literature for the Latinx community called American Dirt. Um, we're going to discuss that a little bit. And then also we're going to drop a book on you that you should be either reading or audio listening to. And it's something yes. that you had shared with me that I'm like, that was a fucking amazing book. So, so cool. let's get started. Mejorandose. What does that mean, Charlene? Mejorandose. So... Basically, you know, you can say mejorandose or like mejorando la raza, which is basically you're trying to level up the race that you're dating someone either lighter skin than you or white completely so that you can be more assimilated and um, enhance the culture. Sounds so shitty. I know, right? But it's something that um, I think maybe even subconsciously we do or subconsciously 
that has that's been kind of hinted at us or if it wasn't outright like don't date don't date x y and z date or marry it's been kind of subconsciously led us to believe that you are bettering yourself bettering your family your race your socioeconomic position mm -hmm. in the u.s um to marry white to to or to to marry light-skinned well and we've talked about before just like the even within our own families you know being dark or even getting too dark in the sun or all of that was already talked about and so it goes you know along those same lines that you would not want to then involve yourself with someone who's darker than you because that's going against the whole point of you being light skin and being lighter um, and I think the reason we came up with this topic Kat is because you and I as proud bochas are currently involved with white folks it's true true even though yes. like T to be real, the executive producer and my partner, her father is definitely a mix, but he, her, they divorced early and, um, and so she was raised predominantly by her mom and she had, she definitely has like more of her mom's features and skin tone and everything. So, and even within our family, like my brother, um, his his partner that he met in Massachusetts is uh, is white, and my sister, the father of her kids, is white. So like, it it just happened, and I, you know I think at least in my family's case, um, from my father, it was definitely. And I don't want to speak ill of the the dead. My father's passed on, um, but he's definitely made it known that there was like levels. Um, and you would have to level up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you say it just happened, but that makes me wonder, like, do you think it just happened, or do you think you were, like, that was planted in your head since back in the day, and it sort of was an expectation? It was probably planted in my head early on, maybe, maybe not outright saying level up, but definitely not level down mm -hmm. um but also what was planted in my head which i didn't go with was um be straight so <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean truth that was really overt yeah. like mom really wanted to plan a wedding for me and she had like we need to start saving things for you and and actually um when i was playing straight the guy that I happened to be dating and had a promise ring from. You uh, had a promise ring. She, you know, listen, you, um, he, he was Mexicano mm -hmm. and he was dark skinned. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think it was in the back of my head. I think it was kind of even cult, like when you look at um, Cosmo or when you look at magazines, popular culture, a lot of Latinx people had white partners, right? Or white spouses. So I, mm -hmm. it didn't just come from the home. This also came from... Or our, looked our white culture. themselves. Yeah, or yeah. Like, yeah. Like Rita, Rita Hayworth, who is Latinx, but 
she changed her last name and 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 just to, Linda Carter. Yeah, Linda Carter. There's so many. Yeah. There's just so many uh, um, examples of that, and mm-hmm. so it was it was overt and it wasn't o- overt, right? For, mm-hmm. for at least from my from my perspective, my experience. There were some things that were said on the side that were snide remarks or that were just that were just remarks um, that leave that plant that seed in the back of your head. So you're right. Maybe maybe I was long term like looking for that mejorandose aspects. I don't know. And you, what do you think? So it was definitely not a level up thing. Um, as far as somebody being Latino for me, it was level up um, in thinking about socioeconomic status, thinking about level of education, like that was the level up that was pushed onto me. And I did, you know, I got into a relationship really young. I was 14 and had no business uh, dating anybody even for a short period of time, much less for an extended period of time. And that relationship turned into a marriage um, that turned into a divorce. (laughs) 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 So, um, you know, but it was a long relationship. I mean, it was 16 years. Like, at the time that we were divorced, I had been with him over half of my life. And, you know, he was was Latino. He, He... taught me a lot about the Chicano side that I didn't know because that's that's very much how his family was rooted Um, and they were wonderful people and I loved them him and I did not obviously work out um, and there's a lot I could say about him um, that I you know will say for another time but what I will say (laughs) exactly what I will say though is that he was he was Latino like me And he treated me like shit. Mm. And I didn't attribute that to him being Latino. Um, But I did have in my mind, like, that's how it is. The machismo, the control, that's just how it is in a relationship. Even though my own father was never like that. My grandfather was never like that. Um, So, you know, fast forward, we get a divorce. And... All of a sudden, I'm like, what? People are asking, like, oh, well, what's your type? Well, shit, I don't know. Really? Obviously, I thought I had a type, but it turned out to be crappy, so I don't really know. And I think, really, at the end of it, I finally decided on that my type was someone who I would wake up in the morning and say, I'm ready to take over the world. And they would be like, all right, what do you need? Like, that's my type. And then... I met a white boy, and <laughs> so. But to be fair, though, your husband is very Latino in some ways, even as a white boy. Like some of his mannerisms, his like his cultura mannerisms are are Latinx. Right. So I think there's your bloodline, and then there's how you grew up, right? Like we talk about culture, and he definitely was seeped in Latino culture, and. Um, holds a lot of those values that are endearing to me about our people and I think that's what really um, you know and and minus the machismo minus the controlling minus all the things that I had already had in my head were just that's how it is 
um, if you're going to be with somebody. And so he's really changed how I think about a relationship. Um, so yeah, the leveling up part on my end now, I wouldn't say has anything to do with culture, but the way that I'm treated as an equal, as a human, as a partner. Um, but it is hard sometimes. I know in, you know, when you're, you're with your gente, when you're with people of color, sometimes it can be like, you can talk about the man and you can talk about oh, white people do this and white people do that. And it's like, I'm not going to apologize for his whiteness because he's so wonderful to me. And, um, I don't know. That's part of the thing that makes it hard. That, that makes me need to break it down into, um, you can't just stereotype a whole entire group of people. Um, all the time. I don't know. Do you, like, how do you feel when people start talking about, like, oh, that white lady at the store? Or, like, I mean, do you feel offended for your partner? No. But can I tell you a funny story? About, kind of about that. It's tangentially related. Um, before my father died, uh, he was, I think he was in the hospital, and we had gone to visit him. And I went to the, I think, I'm, I'm pretty sure I went to go use the restroom, because he was being hospitalized in El Paso, and, and we live in Cruces. <clears throat> and um, he asked her while I was out, does it bother you when people call you cracker? And <laughs> she tells me this after the fact. And I was like, wow, what? <laughs> so crazy. I didn't feel offended by it. I was just like, okay, Mario, why couldn't you say that when I was in the room? <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, but you know what you said about like being Latinx and then like cu culturally raised in that? kind of takes me, not full circle, but it takes me back to the episode we were talking about um, that some of the presidential candidates who spoke Spanish, and there's Beto, who mm -hmm. raised in El Paso, is a white guy, his name is Robert, right? But they call him Beto because culturally he was raised in that, you know, in that environment. Mm -hmm. And so he probably has a lot of Latinx habits or, you know, culture associated with him. I'm sure that he has Selena, as well as like Vicente on his iPod. Uh, look, look how old I am. I said iPod. Um, probably in his iTunes somewhere, right? Like that, because that's just what he was in, raised in. That's the environment that he was raised in. Right. So kind of like your your spouse. So my my partner was not raised in that environment. Um, so she, so there's not that co connectivity the same way there is with you and your spouse. So there's some aspects that you yeah. can connect to with him, and then there's some aspects that there's no connection, but there's different kind of connection with my spouse. And, and I think mine still, is... still... Go ahead. I was going to say, and then there's still the... I mean, he still gets to walk around with his white male privilege, like, all the time. I mean, so I'm not trying to say, like, he gets to slip into being Latino and all the things because he gets it, but... Um, I don't know. It's different. But he definitely understands. Like, he know he definitely understands. There are some things that you do have to explain. For just sure. like there are some things that, that I would have to explain. Um, and one of the hardest was, so of our four kids, there is one child, and they're all biologically my, my partners. There's one kid who's got um, my partner's father's, biofather's, like, skin color. He's, so he's mm -hmm. definitely darker than the other four. And there was one time where I, I had to tell her, like, you are going to have to have a conversation with him as a driver 
that's going to be different than your other kids. Mm -hmm. And that really hit home to her, like, oh, shit. And I was like, yeah, you're going to have to tell him that he has to keep his hands on the wheel and that he has right. to tell the police officer where, like, I am going to get my insurance card. It's in the glove compartment, like every aspect, every step of that. And I think that that was kind of a reality check for her, yeah. I was she, like, I mean, because they do. They're all, they look, I mean, you could line them up and he's, one of these things is not <laughs> like the other. Like, he, you know, he does stand out. <laughs> um, but, I mean, that wasn't a surprise to her once you pointed it out. She was like, yeah, you're right, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, no, she was mm -hmm. like, yeah, you're right, like, holy shit. Yeah. That, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, all of the things, all of the things. So there were some things that, you know, in, in the culture, not having to have those conversations within her family because of the way she was raised, the environment she was raised in, but now those are things that she has to think about with her kids, you know, especially that one. Because yeah. he's, he's, definite, he's definitely a lighter shade brown. A morenito. Yep, oh. he sure is. <laughs> but, so um, one of the things that you put in the show notes... <laughs> That is so true, and um, and for me, it's a funny story, and I know we've talked about border checkpoints before. Um, when you are, for those who are not familiar with our area, yes, there are border checkpoints when you come from Mexico over or when you're coming from, you know, Canada over, but within Texas and New Mexico, California, there are other border checkpoints that you have to cross within the United States that are, with, that are within a certain mileage of of the border, of like the U.S. border. So there are a couple when you are going out of Las Cruces and traveling to like either Alamogordo or to Albuquer Albuquerque where you have to pass a border checkpoint. Um, and I know we've talked about this before, but one day we, we were driving, um, me and my family were driving to San Diego and we were taking the 10. Oh, and that's the other one is that you, you have to pass a border we're checkpoint. We're surrounded. Yeah, we're surrounded pretty much. So we leave butt crack early in the morning because it's um, like August and I don't want to be driving in the heat. And I tell my partner and the kids like, wake up because I don't want to be at the border checkpoint with you and the kids in there. And then them me, like me being questioned, like, where are you going with this family? So I'm like, wake the fuck up when we're there. I'm going to like, wake you, you up. You and your dark son. Get out of the <laughs> You and the one dark kid. Get out. But you know, so it, it, is that something that you had that you had to talk to your spouse about? Like, not in a fun, not well, in a funny way, but in a real like, no, but seriously. So started. I mean, it started in a funny way because I don't think I realized what it was like to go through a border check if you weren't brown, and till he's driving and we're rolling through. It's like, have a good day, buddy. Okay, partner. And it's just all fine and good. I'm like fuck just happened are you kidding me right now like seriously they didn't ask you any other questions and he really was like what do you mean what do you mean they didn't ask me any other questions and so we had this then it did become this real conversation about how i get treated and how he gets treated at the border check and now we do we make light of it but but it really is i mean it can be very nerve-wracking and and i'm a female so i know that i in that particular situation, I think sometimes that's even easier than if I were a brown male or a black male or whatever. It's, I don't know, it's different. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot of conversations. I think the one time that it was 
just the worst for me is when it was just me and my daughter in the car and they were like who else is in the car and they're looking right at her and I'm like you're you see her like she's a person in the car what I don't know it's just it's not a good feeling and it's different it's different definitely different yeah I hear you on that but um you know, the past couple times where you and I've gone, it's just been a wave through, and I'm like, ooh, that was easy. Right. I should knock wood right now hard. Because <laughs> you never know. You never know. We look like Thelma and Luisa or something <laughs> rolling through. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a perfect segue into Black History Month. And yeah. there are some differences in... in in the Latino community and in the Latino community and how people are treated. Um, and that was a reality check for me because, um, I mean, the reality is that there are some Latinos who are like, never date a black person. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, again, not to speak ill of my father, he's already passed on, but there were some things that he said that I was like, holy shit. And one day that he reacted my sister had gotten asked to homecoming or, or some kind of school dance uh, by a gentleman who was an army brat and he was a black, uh, black gentleman. And my father lost his shit and left the house mm-hmm. and wouldn't come back mm-hmm. until he left. And that was like a huge turning point for me of like, oh, wow. I, I couldn't, be- I, it took a long time to process that. Just, okay, so we're brown, but we, there's levels of brown and this treatment. It was just a lot. It was a lot in that moment. That's when you you realize like there's a difference. We're not just we're, we're not just all good in the hood. It's it's there's a difference. Um, I think yes and yes and there was just pieces put together. Um, again, things that were said or not said. Um, and I you know with different families it's very overt. Again, just like mejorándose. Um, some things are very overt and some things are not and and they're subtle in the way of um, if you're dating someone who is darker skinned or a Latino or or a black person how you're treated when you're dating that person Mm -hmm. and and that that was just one of those learning moments for me that was like holy shit Uh, this is not right but I couldn't quite put my finger on it and so I was So I must have been like 12 or 13. So I was trying to piece together what this meant. Um, And then as I moved from one city to another, like going to LA and New York and living there and seeing the difference in treatment, um, Latino to Latino communities, right? So like uh, Puerto Ricans who have some uh, African-American or African heritage and Belizean folks who have African heritage, Brazilian folks who have African mm-hmm. heritage, and listening to stories from people from those places or seeing how they're treated that was different. It's like, almost like there was a hierarchy. Absolutely. Based on lightness. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Even within, I mean, absolutely when it comes to the white community, but within ourselves, like within Latinx community we have our own hierarchy and it's it's fucked up and people don't like to talk about it because it's nice to be like viva la raza we're all one no we're not right like, we're not I remember um so my dad was in Vietnam 
and I remember him telling, he doesn't tell very many stories about Vietnam, he doesn't talk about it often, but one of the stories that he tells is that he, he's one of nine siblings, and he's the only one that went to Vietnam, and he, he volunteered, um, and when he got to wherever they were going, he befriended or was befriended by some Puerto Rican folks who were black and they spoke Spanish and my dad spoke Spanish so he you know ends up hanging out with these guys ends up kicking it with them and he was at first he's saying like man their Spanish was so different and they talked so fast I had to really like catch up and, and figure out you know just our own communication um, but then the Chicano folks who were more of the same skin tone as him and maybe from the same area as him um, started to talk a bunch of shit about who he was hanging out with and just giving him all kinds of racial slurs and um, and one night I guess he was playing cards in somebody's tent and these Chicanos go into the tent and start a fight with them and anyways my dad ends up getting stabbed in the knee with an ice pick and that's why he came home from Vietnam. Holy shit. Yeah, but it was all, I mean, it was this. It was like Latino on Latino when there's a whole world that's literally oppressing the whole of us. Right. And we are so entrenched in that oppression that we are throwing rocks at each other, stabbing each other instead of like collectively saying, you know, if we use our forces for good, then, I mean, what could we do? Right, right, definitely. Um, two things about that. Uh, one, I forgot because things. And the other one was, there's this other <laughs> podcast that I, I know, right? Like, <laughs> thoughts randomly going in and out. But, um, oh, I was just going to say, like, we've bought into this colonization so much so that we yep. believe this lighter skin theory um, that was brought over with the... With with the onset of Europeans, right? Um, and then the second thing is, there's this uh, podcast that's um, about about people who are um, in the you know systems impacted. They're still in prison, and one of the episodes was when you go when you go into prison, you have to choose a, a like a clica that you go with. Mm -hmm. So you either pick like the whites, the blacks, the like the Latinx or the indigenous. And if you are, like if you're Blasian or if you, you know, if you have an intermixed background, where do you fit in? Right. And that's what your, your story reminded me of, of your, like your dad in, in Vietnam, just reminded me of that like, well shit, so, you know, some people straddle the lines of all of the things and where do they fit in? Because there is this buy into the colonization of where you stand um, in society based on your background, right? And those situations, I think, just heighten the need for you to make the choice. Like we get to kind of live in Pochalandia and do what we want to do, but like when you're in, when you are incarcerated or if you are in the military or something like that, what that's forcing you to pick a side, like pick your clique, that's some, that's real shit. Like, and then, and then what? Cause you still are, 
you know, then you're blood in, blood out. You're Miklo forever. Like, you're always going to be the white dude in the gang. Like, <laughs> poor Miklo. Pobrecito I don't know. Miklo. Right? <laughs> it's hard. So how do we, uh, how do we deal with the anti-blackness, cat? When we are, like, uh, these are our people, too. And some are not, you know, some people are, are of African descent that are not, that are not Latino at all. And, and that's a different thing, too, but. You, you know, with the advocacy work that we do in our, in our day jobs, um, I have learned a lot about the differences between calling in, calling out, or so, like pulling in and calling out people, right? So like when you hear this in your family, and I have noticed this with my family before, I would just kind of like, oh, they said something and that sounds shitty. And now now I'm like, nope, that ain't good. And here's why we've got to broaden our horizons about what's going on. But you do it in a way that's not like you're not being an asshole or whatever, but you do have to, to call it out and name it. And right. I'm, I'm trying to find better ways to do that, that bring into the conversation and broaden those horizons without, without being a dick, right? Well, and when it's worth it. I mean, I've noticed yeah. a difference also in choosing those conversations when it's worth it. So if you're somebody who's obviously on the complete opposite spectrum and you are all living in your white supremacy and all the things, I'm not going to try to have a conversation with you about any of this shit. If, however, you are leaning towards white supremacy, even though you're blood related to me, which means you're not a fucking white supremacist because you're brown fool, because I do have those people in my life, um, but I love them and they have other redeeming qualities, then I might say, you know what, yeah, it's worth it. It's worth the conversation. It's worth me trying to pull them into seeing the exceptions so that they understand, yeah, your way of thinking is kind of skewed and you're not even allowing these other situations to enter um, because you're being brainwashed by, I don't know, Fox News or whatever the hell it is you're watching. I don't know. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I find that it's good to do it in humor, like, like, pocha yeah. humor, like, just sure. call it out, but in a, in a way that's kind of humorous, like, oh, you're not, that's not good, because, like, pick on them a little, like, if that was said about you, you'd be, you know, you know what I mean? Like, right. just kind of right. call it out in a way that's gentle and funny, and, be, and then, and then start the after school special, and then have mm -hmm. that, like, bum, 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 the more you know. Brought to you in part by Watcha Podcast. Agreed. <laughs> and that, I mean, and that's the, that's the fairy tale version, right? Because there are some times where we, and, and we too, you and I, we get, we have a lot of privilege in um, our skin tone and we get to make those choices about when we want to have those conversations and with who, because there are, our, you know, our hermanos and hermanas who are Latino, they don't get to do that. They don't get to pass white and have those conversations. But well, what if you were like, we live in that privilege. Right. And I get that um, as an adult way more than I could possibly understand it uh, as a young person. Because again, and we've talked about this before too, living in the borderland, we're very much in a little bubble. A lot of people look like us, think like us, talk like us. And so we don't, 
um, feel that racism as deeply as as some people have to, um, including black people that have to live in the borderland. Like yeah. they are the tiny, tiny percentage, and they know when they're always the only ones in the room with the dark, darkest skin or whatever. Um, that's tough. Truth, truth. Ooh, heavy topics, but you know what? In yeah. the Bocha podcast, we like to tackle the heavy shit and, you know, give it its due, make it a real thing in our community and um, and bring it back to, to the way that we live, where we live in the borderland area. And we definitely know that this doesn't just happen in the borderland area. This happens across the U.S., but, you know, this is our perspective from, uh, from the borderland. Um, and it's time to break it down. Like, when people are literally driving across the country to kill brown people, we need to be we need to be on the same side. We need to, like, unite, put our differences aside, and say we are being oppressed by the same person, by the same systems, by the same, um, all of that, and, and use our strengths to work together. I know that, again, is fairytale land, but I believe it can happen, Kat. Amen. And, you know, for those folks who are like, okay, need to learn more, um, Google... Mm-hmm. What, didn't you say that Google was doing this like amazing thing for Black History Month where um, best athlete or what, like, was it you that was telling me that or was that my spouse? I think that might have been my partner who was saying that Google's got a bunch of cool things about the first African-American to do X, Y, and Z. So like just bringing out the history when you do a Google search. So um, this is an opportunity, peeps, to learn a little bit more. Yeah, get a deep dive into that stuff. Um, cause it's all a shared history. Their history is our history and just calling it, naming it is like part of the way that we get along, learn more, live longer, be better people. Well, I don't know about the live longer part. I just put that in there because it sounded good, right? But be better people is definitely true. <laughs> well, I think. And you know what makes us better people? Wine? Um, well, <laughs> yes, and... And books. <gasps> yes, you should read things. <laughs> I brought with me the flea book that I got um, uh, for my birthday, the flea autobiography, and I still haven't started it just yet. But I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get through that one. I have a couple days yet. There's gonna be long session nights, so I plan on getting through it. But um, books that we that are like definitely being talked about and have really have made for some interesting blog posts and for some interesting like shots fired across the bow um from one author to another or what have you is the book american dirt yes because here on bocha podcast we are some well-read bitches (laughs) (laughs) we read each other on the regular (laughs) but yeah so talk about american dirt what's the background on that puppy american dirt Um, this has gotten a ton of buzz very recently. It's a novel by Janine Cummins, who is a white lady. Um, and it's all about the immigrant experience and folks are losing their minds on both sides. Uh, you know, it got like the Oprah endorsement, which is like pretty much Jesus touched it. Right. It's in Um, the book club. Oprah book club pick. Uh, 
¿cómo se llama? The Sandra, Sandra Cisneros. Cisneros is like, thumbs up, this is a good book. So it, it got some good play. This lady got like a, a forwarded six-figure salary to write this book. Um, and people then start reading it because it's getting all this buzz and all this hype. And they're like, what the fuck is this? This is some shit. This is some white lady trying to use some code switching that doesn't even make sense. Trying to throw in bullshit things she saw on the news. Talking about barbed wire and conchas and like every stereotypical aspect of being Mexican that you could possibly throw into a book. And people are eating it up. I have not read the book. Um, I probably won't read the book. Just to put that out there. Um, I haven't read the book either. I don't want to purchase the book because of the of the stuff that has been said about it. And yes, that makes a difference in what I read and 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 what I purchase. Mm-hmm. Right, as does right. for a lot of people across the board. I would read the book if I stole it. Not gonna lie, if I stole it from <laughs> wow. from one of the big chains, I would actually read the book. Or if it was given to me or left on the floor or something, I would I would pick it up and read it because I'm I'm kind of curious now. But I would not spend my money on it. And Only on Bocha Podcast can you be an expert on something you have not read ever, right? <laughs> And would only read if you stole it. Next month, we talk the Bible. Um, <laughs> speaking of book clubs. <laughs> Don't steal that one. Uh, well, I that's mean, they're free karma. at a hotel. I oh, mean, that's true. what the heck? But do they give away all the different versions? Or no. is it always one version at the hotel? It's always just the one version by that special group. Because technically, the original version would be the, the Judaism, Judaism version of it, the Tanakh. Anywho, veering off course, the American wow. Dirt. So yeah, it, when when I read about American Dirt, about this woman who's writing about the Latinx experience from the white perspective and using stereotypes, um, it kind of reminded me of Uncle Tom's Cabin mm, and okay. how it was written by a white woman giving the slave perspective. And I know, I, I get it. This, these are two complete, completely different times and would anybody have read about the slavery perspective otherwise um at that time you know i'm not as well read on that but that's what that was the first thing that it reminded me of was like oh so so a white person is taking over some stories and and using stereotypes Mm -hmm. which we have seen in other ways like there have been a lot of queer books written by non-queer people Mm -hmm. there have been um a lot of asian books written about non-asian people there have been, you know, the, the list can so go books on. about women written yeah. by men. Right, exactly. Uh, on and on and on. Um, mm-hmm. And that brings up, you know, really good questions about who is entitled to write what. Mm-hmm. And that's a really good question because I have read some books that have, like, been really good. Um, and then they're, they are taken, they are voices that are taken from somebody else completely. And, and they're making money off of it. Right. And one of the blogs that I had read that you had sent to me about American Dirt was written by an author who is from Albuquerque, and she wrote a book and um, was just basically giving her perspective on why, of course, Sandra Cisneros was giving it a thumbs up, mm. giving American Dirt a thumbs up. And it was it was a scathing, it was a very oh. scathing yeah. blog. <laughs> 
basically calling out Sandra Cisneros saying that she was a minstrel. Um, and that was kind of hard to read because in college, that was one of the books that you read was House on Mango Street. Yep. And it's lifted up as literature and it's a different perspective, which I appreciate. I don't necessarily have to buy into every blog that I read, right? But it's a different perspective. Um, yeah. So if you're listening and you want to hear more about the different perspectives, um, there's an episode of Latino USA that really breaks it down. Um, it's it's called Digging Into American Dirt and Maria Hinojosa, who oh, I know goddess. Right? Her voice. Hmm. Um, but she interviews several people, including Sandra Cisneros and, and this woman who wrote this blog um, and the author herself. So it's super interesting. If you want to hear all the dirt on American Dirt, I suggest listening to that podcast uh, because it's wonderful just for the perspective. Um, but all of this to say that it got us talking about yeah, why are we talking about this shitty book if it is shitty by this person who's not brown when we're trying to uplift our gente? Um, and then I came across a book on Audible called The Murmur of Bees. And I was totally just sucked in by, I'm in a bee phase right now. I'm feeling the bees uh, for some reason. Just the whole community and the hive and the honey, all of it. I'm just feeling that right now. Um, so I was sucked in by the title, and then I started reading a little bit more, and I was like, ah, I have a credit to burn on Audible. I'm going to go ahead and purchase this. Oh, my God. Immediately, I send you, like, you have to listen to this book, which we do that to each other, like, twice a week, right? You have to insert whatever <laughs> thing we think the other one should do here. Drink this like, beer. Listen to this song. <laughs> read this Mine is book. typically about music totally. <laughs> or podcasts. Yeah. yeah. But this, this smell this smell this thing I found in my desk. Whatever we're constantly trying to get each other to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so the murmur of bees was originally written in Spanish. Yes. And the the audible audio book that we listened to was the English translation of it. Mm-hmm. And at the first couple chapters, I was like, well, so when I after I had listened to it, I told you it reminded me the the way that the story is written and interwoven with with one story to another and it reminded me of um 100 years of solitude Mm -hmm. and i was just after a couple episodes oh my god i have to find it oh my god i have to find and then how and then by the end of it it was like holy shit that was amazing yeah so this murmur of bees originally in spanish like you said um sofia segovia is the author this is the first novel that she's written that's been translated into english um the translation is by someone named simon bruni who i feel like i need to say that name as well because the translation is absolutely gorgeous i mean this book just it's it's historical fiction it's set in the early 1900s in mexico um, there's a lot of like Mexican Revolution stuff that's happening in there. So it gives you this sense that it's very real. There's some historical perspective there. And then she weaves in the supernatural in a way that for me, the first thing I thought of was Bless Me Ultima because it has this just magical component that feels so much like our gente and and um, the way I grew up and listening to my grandfather talk and my grandmother and, um, 
it just sucked me in immediately and I was and and I will say I'm all about I'm all for reading I love paper books like just the paper and the smell of a new book makes me happy but this audible version is excellent like the readers are wonderful there's there's a male and female voice that are just they just bring it to life it was yeah I can't say enough about how they put it together and using those two voices was outstanding and the way that it was written to your point about there being an an aspect of magic to it um that's exactly how storytelling is right like you like you had mentioned your grandfather there's an aspect of this just sense of magic and and wonder that is woven into the stories of our grandparents like your grandmother telling you a story that um you know just like bless me ultima and the it's the carp right the the like magic carp um and like hundred years of solitude and some of the things that happen in there that are very magical um this book incorporates some of that and it's it's along that line of storytelling that's beautiful and amazing that everybody needs to listen to this or read it I would love to hear it in Spanish maybe not the whole way through because I'm pretty sure there's gonna be a lot of words that as a pocha I don't know that I'm not familiar mm-hmm. with but um, it was just such a phenomenal book to listen to and you know if if you have an opportunity like put this podcast on pause go to audible or whatever wherever you, you can actually do some audiobooks um, with your library card yes for listen free. To yeah, listen mm-hmm. to the to the book. It's amazing. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, and I, I think we started talking about this because we're like, you know what, if you don't want to give your money to Janine Cummins because she already got a little shitload of money from some publishing company who respected her as a white person, uh, you can support Sofia Segovia and her translator by purchasing um, some sort of copy of The Murmur of Bees. I really want to... Uh, challenge myself to at least listen to it in Spanish if not actually try to read it because if the translation is this good it just makes me feel like what the essence of the book in its original language could be um I don't know I'll probably pass out because it'll be so good and uh, I'm not going to ruin it for folks who are listening because there's so many great elements to it but suffice it to say that after I finished it I started having a text conversation with you about it and then like an hour later, I was like, the the light bulb literally went off in my head, and I, and I said, I texted you like, oh my god, X Y and Z, and I think I thought your your response to me was gonna be like, yeah, duh, and I was, I was just, it took me that long to figure one thing out about it, and then after that, my mind just I just went down this rabbit hole of what some things meant either literally or figuratively, and it, it's those kinds of books that you know are spot on that need to be read and enjoyed thoroughly that oh, make you so think. good well we started having this great conversation then we decided we needed other minds on this right so i i text my sister have you heard it yet have you read it yet she's like no no i'm getting to it and then another friend of mine maya i was like have you read it have you heard it no not yet i'm going to um but i would challenge if you're listening to Pocha podcast i would say listen to this book read this book and then send us a message and we can do at least like a Twitter chat or something about it because we just want to hear everybody's um, thoughts and perspective because there was a lot of different things that you and I got from the ending specifically that I think deserves more 
conversation. Absolutely. And <laughs> this, so we're, <laughs> Charlene, you and I, and a couple of friends are part of our GBC um, <laughs> ghetto book club. <laughs> Where, wait, how does our friend, one of our friends who's in it, Goldie, she puts it, um, all of the benefits of a book club with none of the reading. Because <laughs> I think collectively, we have had, we've pulled out several books for us to read. I'm not going to pat myself on the back, but I'm going to pat myself on the back and say I've read most of the books that ha we have selected to read, including one that was Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, after which I was like, whose damn oh, idea was this? Oh, it was I mine. I couldn't get Fuck. through more than like three chapters. I was like, I can't. I can't. But there's something to having a book club. And even if it takes you a few months to get through a book and just getting together, because for our GBC group, our ghetto book club, it starts off, we would talk about a book and then not, but 10 minutes into the conversation, we are oh, yeah. laughing and weedy, weedy conversations about something else. And it's like, book what? What book? Oh, this what? thing? They don't need no book. But, yeah. I mean, in the years that we've been doing this informal GBC, I've read at least five, which books that I would have never otherwise have mm -hmm. read because different oh, sure. people bring to the table. And it got started with the um, Harper Lee, mm -hmm. uh, To Kill a Mo uh, the, the pre- Go, no, the go set a watchman. Go set a watchman. The the, mm -hmm. the second part of to, to Kill a Mockingbird. That's where we got started. Mm -hmm. And that first GBC informal meeting that we had, <laughs> I brought notes because I was I was actually taking notes as I was brought reading. Notes it. and I brought wine. And guess who won? <laughs> wine. <laughs> <laughs> wine always wins. It's like rock mm -hmm. paper scissors. Wine always wins. Period. Agreed. Kat, this is the Bocha Podcast. This is. I'm Kat. You are Charlene. It is so good to be back with you and having done another episodio. I'm so excited. Um, I actually was like, can we record like 15? But, you know, we have this thing called work that we have to do. I know. Very sad. Very sad. But it's like... It feels so good to be reunited with you, even if we are four hours away from each other, and get another episode in. Go technology. Go technology. To learn a little bit more about Black History Month, go read uh, or listen to The Murmur of Bees, um, and check out the subliminal messaging behind Mejorándose in your life, and if, if you are also uh, caught into that whole I don't know, tale of, of bettering yourself socioeconomically <laughs> or what have you by getting a partner who is lighter skinned. All the things in Pocha Landia. Let us know. Thanks for listening. That's another episode of the Pocha Podcast. We will catch you on the flip side. Peace.